We love great stories. We, we love great stories. Years ago, when we would take long trips and the boys would be in the back, and after we'd gone through everything else to talk about, one of them would pop up and say, uh, hey, tell us something you did bad. And they would want to know, and that became such a thing. They wanted to hear all the juicy stories, every detail about it, and we'd have to tell it again the next long trip. Tell us something that you did bad. And Teresa would go on and on for hours of all the things. And uh, it was just, she lo- they loved to hear these true stories. And there's the old hymn, Tell Me the Old, Old Story of Unseen Things Above, of Jesus and His Glory, of Jesus and His Love. Tell me the story always, if you would really be, in any time of trouble, a comfort to me. The the, the Christmas season, the time of Advent, this is a great time for Christians. It is, the, it is the greatest story that's ever been told, and we need to hear it over and over and over again. There is great magnitude to the story of Christmas. Imagine if Christmas never happened. Imagine if it was never true, if it never took place. Our calendar How we would look at time would be completely different. Colleges that we know of would not even exist if it wasn't for Christmas. There'd be no Harvard, there'd be no Yale, there'd be multiple colleges across our country that would never, would not even exist. Our literature would be totally different. There would be no Christmas story. There would be no Ebenezer Scrooge. All of these are because of Christmas. Our holidays would be different. There'd be no Easter, there there would be no Good Friday, there there would be just changes. Art would be different. There'd be no magnificent pieces of art that people look at today, all because if there was no Christmas. But the story of Christmas is true. The, the, The message is this, that the Messiah has come and God is with us. There's great mystery to it. And one of the things about going over the Christmas story year after year after year and hearing the same old, old story is we learn something new every time. There's such mystery to the incarnation that God became human. It's so, there's such mystery about it that we can go through a whole Christmas and, and feel like, I, I didn't get any of it. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. So we can come back again the next year and next year and keep looking at it and just tell us the story. And this morning, we just want to look again this week and next week at the story. Because God tells the story so well that if we listen well, the questions of our own stories that are wrapped up inside and the answers to our story is revealed. We have this desire to know. I mean, tell us. When someone has a story that's good, we want to know it. We ask it over and over again. Tell us the story again. Reveal something. And that's what God did with Scripture, with the story of Christmas. So let us to first observe in Matthew, right at the beginning of this, his account of the story, first of all, that there was this, in this story, there was a long waiting for God. The waiting for God was long. The, the Gospel of Matthew starts the, in verse 1 through 17 with this long list of people's names, this long list of 
stories of people that I didn't take the time for us to read. But, but the waiting for God was long. Isaiah 40, verse 5 says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The book of Isaiah has a lot to tell us about the future coming of Jesus. And, in verse, and, and, and when he got to chapter 40, it, the whole portion of Isaiah, it kind of switches. It, it's, it's up to this point, there's been this struggle from the outside. The people of God have been through these struggles, and, and people, then they'd overcome, and then they get attacked again and become overcome. And there's a struggle, struggle, struggle. And then as they also were struggling from the outside, they were learning about the fact that they weren't holy. They weren't the way they were supposed to be. They weren't living the way God wanted them to live. So there was a struggle on the inside. And so there's a struggle all the way through Isaiah. And then in chapter 40, these verses come out where it says, Comfort, comfort my people. And then this verse, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken, which means... There was things to come that hadn't yet come in the story of the people of God, but there was this long waiting for God. And it's an ongoing story, so much so that when Matthew tells the story, he says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the sons of Abraham, and over and over again, he uses and repeats the title Messiah, the Christ In verse 1, in verse 16, in verse 17, in verse 18, in verse 24, over and over again, he emphasizes the Messiah, the Messiah, the promised one who who for years and centuries has been prophesied about and said that was coming. And the people of God just waited and waited and waited. It's an ongoing story. It's an ongoing story. We don't walk into this world creating a new story. We are part of of this long, ongoing story of God that has been going on for centuries. It's an ongoing story with origins and genealogies, with real people and real struggles and long periods of silence. You have the whole Old Testament and God saying, there's going to be a Savior, there's going to be a Messiah for my people, it's going to come, it's going to come. And the people waited and waited and waited. And then there's 400 years of just absolute silence from the Old Testament until the New Testament. Basically from the 1620 to 2020, there was lives that had lived 400 years of people living and dying and not a word from God. Just long silence. The waiting for God was long. And in that waiting, people lived and people died and they lived and they died and they waited and they waited and they waited. And then Matthew says, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and he just starts listing generations after generations after generations of people. So it says in verse 14, so 17, so all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the departure to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. And he lists all these people, 
All of them that were part of this long story that God knew about way back when, from the beginning of time, and he let life and people live in them. And then he says, here's the people who are part of the line of the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior. And it's an odd group of people in the story. Tell me something that you did bad. Well, God said, okay, I'll tell you what people did bad. And he lists these odd people who are part of the Messiah. It's not the list that we would expect. But if you read through Matthew 1 through 17 and see the people listed, there's, there's Abraham, there's Jacob, there's David. We, we, we know these stories. We've heard of these stories. But Abraham was chosen by God but lied multiple times about his own wife to protect himself. Jacob was a liar a conniver, a trickster. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Then as you read this list, there, there's a list of, of women's names. There's Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba. If you go back and look at their stories and read their lives, Tamar in Genesis 38, to trick her own father-in-law, she acted like a prostitute to sleep with him. And, and Rahab was a prostitute. And Ruth, her, who, who, who lost her husband, lost her sons, and then lived with her mother-in-law who struggled with bitterness of what God was doing in her life, and Bathsheba, who committed adultery with David. The, these people, and you look at the stories and you dig in and hear them, the people in the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, were not perfect people. They were broken people. They were sinful people. They were fractured people. They were hurt people. They were wounded people. And what that story tells us is that wherever we are in the story of our life, there's a place for you in God's story. That's the people he's attracted to. The people who have struggles. The people who sin. The people who are very broken. The people who are wounded. Those are the people that God says, there's a place for you in the story. Listen, tell us more. You fit in this story if you fit in any of those categories. And then there's this outstanding reality, this long waiting for God. And all these people's stories, and there's an outstanding reality of one who finally arrives. But Matthew almost, he, he says it, almost downplays it to a certain extent. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ. He doesn't mean to, but now the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, took place in this way. Which is exactly what it said in Isaiah would take place. Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When, he was, when his mother Mary had been betrothed, he, he came. He was born. He really arrived. He is who he says he is. And he is among us, humans, broken people. And as Christ followers today, he's among us now. He's with us right now. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, Christ is among us as we gather. Together, even with all of our differences 
And it is when we are together that we frequently discover Christ through other people. It's why we need each other. It's why we need to be able to, to gather together and to worship and hear the story and be reminded of it. But the outstanding one, the one that they've been waiting for for years, he finally arrived in the person of Jesus Christ, and it was all done in God's timing. Do you think for all those years the nation of Israel would have said, when? When are you going to come? How, how long? How much longer? They said it over and over again in Psalms. How, how much longer? Why do we have to wait so long? When, when's this going to take place? And then nothing for 400 years. You think those people that we don't know a thing about ever wondered if the promise was going to be true? When? They, they didn't hear anything new. It was silence. But it was God's timing. And in God's timing, in the fullness of time, God brought forth Jesus Christ. There's much you have to wait for. And the question is, the waiting for God was long. But in God's time, God moves and God acts. And the question is, are you willing to wait? Whatever's going on in your life, are you willing to wait for God to act? Are you willing to wait like John the Baptist's father did who couldn't even speak his son's name? Are you willing to wait for the woman in the temple who waited for the Messiah? Who you wait for matters. And how you wait matters. If I told you, hey, I want you to sit here real still. In a little while, if you sit still and real quiet, a rat will come out and you'll get to see it. Some of you would be like, okay, I'll sit. Some of you would be like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to sit for, for waiting for a rat. But if I told you, if you sit here real still and real quiet, someone's going to come with a $50,000 reward for you, you'd sit and wait. How you wait and who you wait for matters. And there was a long wait for the people of God. And there may be a long wait you feel in your life right now, but how you wait and who you wait for matters. And the story of Christmas says the one you are waiting for, he's come and he's active. And the wrapped up baby that was born was God. In verse 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, and he heard all this, he waited on God. And he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. And he did. And it says in Luke chapter 2, And she gave birth to a firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there is no place for them in the inn. It was a real baby that she really wrapped in swaddling clothes and really laid him in a manger because there's no place for him. It was a human baby. Most people nowadays, they, they don't disagree that a man named Jesus lived, that there was a human Jesus lived, born in Bethlehem. People would not too much argue with that. A human baby was born. But a human baby who was God, they would argue that. The real staggering Christian claim more than the resurrection, 
is that Jesus of Nazareth was God made man. More, more staggering than anything is the story of Christmas. Because that this baby that had to be wrapped in cloths by his mother was God, who created his mother. We're supposed to believe that. That's the story, and it's true. It's the incarnation that God became man. This is the magnitude, and this is the mystery of Christmas. John chapter 1 talks about this over and over again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We spent 10 weeks talking about the attributes of God, and that God is not like us. That God's totally different. He's infinite. He's unchangeable. He, he, he is all-knowing, all-powerful. But when then we come to Christmas, we speak of a God that we can know and understand. And we mean, when we speak of God, all that's true. But when we speak of God, we mean God as he has been revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Who is all the things that we said for 10 weeks about the attributes of God. God is Christ-like. God is Christ-like, that the incarnation makes God tangible for us to see and to know. John 1, 17, 18 says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. The only way for us to know God who is not like us was for God to make Himself known, and He did it in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ, and it helps us to see Jesus, helps us to think about God by seeing Jesus, by seeing the wrapped up baby in the manger was God, and helping, that helps us see God. John 1, 1 through 14 is all about the Word becoming flesh, God becoming made known. And J.I. Packer, when he talks about John 1 through 14, he gave seven descriptions of that passage, it says in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It shows God's eternity. That, that in the beginning, the second person of the, of the Trinity existed. He, he was with God for all eternity, before time began. It shows his personality. He was distinct. He was with God. He was a distinct being in the person of God, but he was still active God. It, was, it was, shows his deity. There's God the Father, God the Son. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It shows his creativity. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus was the creator of the universe. He made everything. He, he made and everything that exist and it shows his ability to animate things in him was life and the life was the light of men i said a few weeks ago that there was a writer who wrote a story totally fictional story and she had a character that she needed to marry off and she fell in love with her own character and the only way for her to deal with that was to write herself into the story and so she did but that can't come to life. There was an old Twilight Zone episode that I still remember from a kid. Remember that show? 
was this guy who was a writer. And one day he was on this little tape recorder, and he, and he would tape things, and he started taping things, and what he taped came to life. It was totally animated and real. And so he decided to create and make a wife for himself. And so he talked into it, and he created what he thought was the perfect woman, and, and, and it's the Twilight Zone, so it didn't turn out well. Um, it didn't go well for him at the end. But that's all fiction. That can't, that can't happen, but it did happen. This is who God is. He, he, the one who created everything, spoke everything into life. In him was life. And the light was the life of men. He animated life. He revealed everything. He, he wrote and revealed everything that existed. And he is incarnate. He is the Son of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. There's two pictures of Jesus as we think of this wrapped up baby being God. That God took on human flesh. And that this is how we see and know God through Jesus Christ. Is, is Jesus is a window for us for God, to God. If you're in a dark room, no windows, and somebody comes busting in a hole in the wall, and all of a sudden the brightness shows in, you get to see a window of what was already out there. Jesus is that for us. God exists. And when Jesus came, he's like the window that busts open what is true reality for us. And so we can see what we were not able to see before because of who Jesus was. We can see God. We can know God through Jesus. And so sometimes our view is, that, but it's not very clear. We wish it was more clear, but, but that is the way it is. It's not as clear as we would like it sometimes, but it, one day it will be crystal clear. Jesus is a window into God. If you want to know God, you look at Jesus because Jesus is God, and he's also a mirror for us. Jesus reveals what we shall be. If you are in Christ, when you look at the Word, he is the Word. He is what he says he is and what the word says he is and what the word says you are. So when we look at scripture and we look at Jesus, it's a mirror for us not to condemn us if we're in Christ, but to say this is what you will one day be. This is what we will be. We all will be like Jesus who will transformed. The incarnation. It's a great mystery. We, we can't fully grasp it. We can't fully understand it, but, it's, but we, we are called to Think about it and believe it. It's wrapped, though, in humility that God would give up everything to be a baby that has to be wrapped in clothes. It's wrapped in humility, and it's wrapped in humanity. Jesus still is 100% human. He's 100% God, and he's 100% human, even today and it's wrapped that way and he's wrapped that way for you and i to see him for us to see god jesus is god and is a god who then is very personal if he would enter his own world wrapped in human flesh and remain that way god is very personal and god is very active even if it feels for you like there's silence and there's long waitings Christmas songs that people sing now is got lines like, next year our troubles will be miles away. But we know that's not true. We'd like to think it's true. But next year, we'll find out again, my, my, troubles aren't that far away. More troubles will come. 
And as we go through that, Satan loves to use, as Jared Wilson said, Satan loves to use good memories to bring pain. And it is true as we go through the stories of our own life and the stories of certain struggles, the stories of a tough year. We think, well, well, I'll just wait till next year. The troubles will be over. Things will be better. Or, oh, I wish it could just go back to the way it was. Those were the good days. And Satan loves to come in and take those good memories and just bring back, back pain. And, oh, it's not like it used to be. It's so ruined now. What a wreck it is. There's no hope. There's no joy. But what does the story of Christ's birth compel us, compel us to do with unfinished stories of our own lives? The things that we think, that's a wreck that'll never get fixed. That's a situation that'll never get overcome. It can't change. Well, we, what, what the story of Jesus tells us to do, what the Christmas story, the real story, that Jesus came in the flesh, who is God, tells us to do with our unfinished stories that all of us sitting here deal with, is it tells us to wait, wrapped, though, in a good God. Wait wrapped in a great God. Matthew one twenty four says, When he woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. I mean, can you imagine being Joseph and hearing all that stuff? Thinking his life is wrecked now. What? Mary, what did you do? And God says no. Or in Luke chapter 2, and all these things came, and Mary gives birth to Jesus. And then all the, the angels come, the wise men come. I mean, things are happening all over the place. She just gave birth to this baby. It didn't go well. There was no place for them to, in, in, to, to, to sleep. This wasn't the way it's supposed to have been. All these amazing things have happened, and Mary's heard them, and she's seen them. And Luke 9, 2, 19 says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart how do you wait wrapped in a great god you do what mary did we we do what mary did we we ponder these things which which mary didn't understand everything that's what this meant she see she heard the angels she saw the shepherds she she was received the wise men all these things took place over this period of time she didn't understand it but she pondered it she treasured it she, she kept thinking how is this working How's going to God work this situation out? And she pondered it. We, we need to ponder these things. We first need to ponder that God was not always with us. And you weren't always with God. Isaiah 64, 5 and 6 tells us that, that we went our own way. We didn't follow the way God wanted us to live. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you in your ways, behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time and we shall, and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean and all our, our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. We need to ponder that that's what we deserve. The reality is we are sinners. They are naturally rebellious, and we chose to separate ourselves from God by sin. But ponder these things that God is with us. 
The reality is that if you have seen Jesus for who he is, that if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and you recognized your own sin and received him, you have been clothed. He's with you. You've been clothed in his righteousness. All the things that you deserve and all that you did was piled on Jesus at the cross. And all the things that Jesus deserves and all the things that we got because of his righteousness has been given to you. You need to ponder that. That's the gospel. That, that God's righteousness is, is on you. When God sees you now, if you are in Christ, he sees you as Jesus, righteous, clean, spotless. It's unbelievable, the joy of the gospel. You don't have to keep working to try to prove yourself to God as a Christian. You, you just receive it. The Christ righteousness was given to me. That's our position. We, we ponder these things. How can it be? that he would give that kind of grace to me. But he did, because he came as a baby. He, he's, he's, he, he's with us positionally. But practically, we can know this. Because Jesus came, and we can ponder these things, we get real sympathy in Jesus, and not just empathy. We, we don't have a God who doesn't understand what it's like to suffer. We, we don't have a God who doesn't understand what it's like to grieve. We don't have a God who doesn't understand what it's like to hurt, like to, to not know how to do things, to feel fearful. We have a God who, who knows all those things. And he can give us real sympathy, not just empathy. And we also have a God who helps us when we feel obscure. You ever feel obscure that your life is just, just this is it? This is how I'm going to spend my time? Nobody knows this. I mean, I'm, I'm washing dishes. I'm taking care of kids. I'm trying to catch up with grandkids. I'm just doing this job. It just seems like you're just going through time, and nobody knows. Nobody sees all the sweat, all the tears, all the pain, all the struggle. God does. The reason we know that is because Jesus lived a real life, and we don't know anything about much of his life. He grew up in a ba as a baby, and then we don't know anything much until he was about 33. So for years, Jesus lived in obscurity. He, 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 just, he just lived. And he knows what it is like. So he sees us in our obscurity. He knows that. And he also gives us strength in our struggle. When you feel like things aren't clear, I, I, don't, just don't, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I should take that step. I, I, I feel like I'm too weak to do it. I don't feel like I'm righteous enough. I don't, I don't feel like I'm capable enough. The reality of the incarnation is God gives us strength because Jesus is strong. He was with us in the struggle. He, he knows what it's like to have to learn how to walk and, how, and, and not be able to do it. He knows what it's like to fall and get hurt. He knows what it's like to cry. He knows what it's like to, to have to, to take a risk, and he did it, and he did it. And because of the incarnation, we can practically ponder the fact that we can have the strength. We are weak, but in Christ we are strong. So we ponder these things in our waiting, and we participate. I mean, we talk about this. Participate in the path of obedience. Because of Jesus Christ, the Bible says we are the light of the world. It is our responsibility, it's our privilege to walk in obedience with Christ. 
and then to talk about the truth of Jesus. I read, heard a story this week about Amelia Ruth. It was a little girl a number of years ago. True story. Her parents and her family said she was kind of a spoiled brat. It was years ago, and then she was Christmas time, and they asked her uh, what did she want for Christmas, and she had not been good uh, the entire year, and so her parents jokingly told her, but to her seriously, you're only going to get ashes and switches. And so she came down from Christmas, she grabbed the stocking, this was years ago, grabbed the stocking, it was filled, she could tell, with just uh, soot, and it ticked her off. And so she just took the stocking and started swinging it around, threw it across the room, and as she threw it, she heard this crack her parents were just playing with her. Inside the stocking was the hand-painted china doll that she wanted. But she cracked it. She broke it. The truth is we are all like Amelia Ruth's. The incarnation says this is what we have in Jesus Christ. We have a God who is with us. We have a God who understands everything about our lives and can help us. But too often, we don't want to wait. We see what we see. We just grab the stocking of our life and think, it's not true. I don't want it. It's not enough. But the reality, it is enough. And the mystery and the message of the gospel and of Christmas is God is with you. This is true. It's hope. It's joy. And in it, we have Christ. The first Noel says, and to the earth, It gave great light, and so continued both day and night. We're called to accept it, to receive it, to believe it, and to share it. And to think about it over and over and over again. Tell us what you did. Tell us what is true. Ponder it, participate in the reality of it, and praise God for the blessing of it.